the second part of the Jesus is Lord mini-series. So last Sunday we talked about uh, being um, scattered. We talked about uh, being gathered to be scattered, to be sent out, and what it looks like to share life with those who are not yet in fellowship with Jesus. And this week we're going to be talking about inside the church, as you could have already imagined, with Joe talking about youth and ministry and signing up and and all of this, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to say that Jesus is Lord of the church. Jesus is Lord of our church. And how, how do we participate, how do we engage in what that statement implies? Because if we say that Jesus is Lord of our church, Lord of the church, Big C church, Lord of Vineyard Cleveland church, Lord of Lakewood Vineyard, Lord of uh, Cleveland City Vineyard, Lord of King's Church in Lakewood, Lord of Redeemer Lutheran, Bethel Lutheran, Bethel Cleveland, Lord of the church in Cleveland, Lord of First Baptist Church in Cleveland. If he is Lord of the church, it implies that we are to be good stewards of his church. You know, Sarah and I are really fond of saying that, like, um, Jesus is the pastor of Vineyard Cleveland. The Holy Spirit is pastoring our church. It's not Sarah and I. But the Holy Spirit directs us when we say, Jesus, you are Lord of the church. What do we mean by that? What do we mean that Jesus is Lord of the church? Well, community is God's idea. And just a quick little one-minute theology wrap for you is that God in himself is singular. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And he is three distinct persons. It's the mystery of the Trinity. We're told that the Spirit of God, the Ruach in Hebrew, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Before creation existed, the Spirit of God was. Jesus says in the Gospel of John that in the beginning, the Word was God and the Word was with God. And so there's this element of three distinct persons in this divine dance existing as one person, God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the mystery of the Trinity. Gosh, Jason Torrance could share with you a year-long message series on, and it still wouldn't be enough to unpack the mystery, am I right? On the mystery of the Trinity. You know, we... Theologians spend their lives, spend their lives studying the mystery of the Trinity. All of that to say that community is God's idea. He said at the very beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. And all of you introverts in the room are like, that is blasphemy. (laughs) It's the word of God. I'm just saying the word of God. It's not good it's not good. He calls everything good as he creates it. And then he looks at man and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Oh, ladies, we love you. <laughs> Thank the Lord for the idea that it is not good for man to be alone. So 
So community is God's idea, and it's also God's design for us. We're designed to be in community. We're told in Acts that the early church met from house to house to house to house to house. And that's how the church thrived and flourished, meeting from house to house. In Psalms, we're told that God sets the lonely and families. I love that about God's heart. That his heart is to put us, to set us anywhere where we're feeling lonely this morning. And all of us experience loneliness at some point in our lives. That it's his heart to set us in a family. To say, hey, you're not on the out. You belong. You belong. God sets the lonely in families and he leads out the prisoners with singing. His design for us is community to set the lonely in families so that we are healed. Jesus says in Matthew, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Jesus' presence is right there. That's community. He's blessing community there in that scripture. And in Acts, we're given this beautiful picture of what the early church looked like. In chapter two, all of the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord of the church? Primarily, I want us to anchor in Colossians 1. And I love this scripture, and I believe that this scripture is special for our church community as well. We always seem to come back to this. And and I love that about um, Vineyard Cleveland. Over the past uh, five to six years, it just always seems like a good anchor point for us. This is Colossians 1. Starting in verse 15, this is what it means that Jesus is Lord of the church. Paul writes this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. There's the lordship there. For God was pleased, this is, the, this is the best part, you guys, this is the goods. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, all of God stuffed to overflowing in Jesus' chest. I love it. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed On the cross, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to uh, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. 
If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Jesus is Lord of the church. Jesus is Lord of the church. He has the supremacy and it implies that we're to be good stewards of that community that he's established, that he's Lord over. In Romans, we read, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, as Joe said earlier, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. Saying and being Jesus, you are Lord of the church, means that he decides, Jesus decides where we go, how we move. He's the Lord of the church. It's his church, not ours. It implies that we are stewards. It means all things center around him and through him, both in vision and in practice. That's why we're here this morning. The church is one of the last places where you get to choose who sits next to you. This is a treasure of community, of biblical community, that you don't get to choose who goes to Jesus' church. And sometimes that makes me really mad. On Facebook, you get to choose your friends. You get to pick your friends. Designer friendship is the way of the future. Oh, you just wait until kids go away in computer and the metaverse for three months and you don't see them because they're off with friends they get to choose. People, designer friends, designer community. The church is one of the last places on planet Earth where you don't get to pick your friends, and that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. If you would have told me that two of my best friends in my 20s, if you would have said, Eben, when you're in your 40s, two of your best friends will be 75 and 78 years old, I would have said, Ha! You're crazy! Jesus picks our friends, and there are people in this room that God has designed you to sit around, to be in community with for your growth. It's the treasure of community that we don't get to choose our friends. We are blessed at Vineyard Cleveland to have people from different socioeconomic groups, from different ethnic groups, old, young, black, white. It's an amazing thing to be a part of community when Jesus is Lord of the church. When Jesus is Lord of the church. What makes it such a treasure? What makes community such a treasure? In 1 Corinthians 12, we read, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's it. The treasure is that we get to journey together through really, really difficult things and really, really amazing things, and we get to do that together. And it's something that we shouldn't take for granted, that we have people, you have people, whether you believe this or not, however disconnected you feel, you have so many more people in your corner than folks who don't attend church. Do you know that? Oh, you think you're disconnected. You think you're lonely. 
But you have no idea the depths of loneliness without Christ. And just by being here this morning, that you have people who will fight for you, who will love you through hard things, who will show you compassion. No one out there is going, who who is going to show me compassion? But because we are the body, even though you may feel disconnected, you are infinitely more connected and less lonely than you might think you are. Now, I'm not trying to uh, devalue or discredit a sense of depression or loneliness. I'm not trying to say that. Please hear me. But let's see it in perspective. Just Just step back for a minute and see it in perspective that you have folks in your corner that you didn't choose, but God chose for you. It's a wonderful thing. We get to journey together, both suffering or joy. And one thing that I've loved about this message series and that you, some of you have expressed to me that you've loved is that we're getting to hear from different people who are in the body and their voices, right? It's not just like Eben's voice, no. Like we get to hear from other folks. Another part of the treasure of Christ, speaking of community. And one of my friends has this to say about community and why she, she loves vineyard community. About growth, she says this. She says, I have felt stewarded by members of the vineyard community through relationships that are a two-way street of investment. I love that. They pour into me and I pour into them. Since the day I stepped foot into Vineyard Cleveland, people have been investing in me and made me feel connected. In turn, there have been many opportunities for me to invest into my relationship with others. She goes on to say that she's been meeting with one, one of the folks in our church regularly as a mentor-mentee type of situation. She says, we work through books of the Bible together as well as just do life together. I value her spiritual mentorship and wisdom and see her as a safe space to discuss personal matters and receive biblical advice. I think a church that is being good stewards of its congregation looks like a church where the people are meeting each other's needs spiritually and physically. It's a role that belongs to every church member, not just the leaders. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Community is a place for us to grow together. We're all on a journey. We're at different points in that journey, and we're all growing together. It's an amazing dynamic of what community is and how it happens. And where, where does community happen, you might ask? Well, community can happen darn near anywhere, can't it? Community happens in ICU units and on deathbeds. It happens around campfires and dinner tables. It happens at baby showers and wedding ceremonies, through difficult pregnancies and miscarriages, at kids' soccer games and early morning breakfasts, late night talks. Community happens when we share our fears and our joys with others who love us with Christ's love. Community happens when we confess our sins to one another and when we experience healing together. And yes, even right here in our gathered space on Sunday mornings. Community can happen anywhere we say yes to Jesus being Lord of the church. 
You know, this week I got this picture of this garden being watered. And the garden uh, being the, the church, the community of believers, and how to be a good steward of a garden, you got to water that thing. If you want to see the harvest, if you want to see fruit so far down the road, you, each person shows up with water. Didn't Paul say, like, Somebody planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and we all play different roles. It's not just up to the pastor or the leader. We all play different roles in watering the, the garden and being present and welcoming and engaging new people, sharing the gospel and dis- discipling and encouraging other people. The writer of Ecclesiastes says it this way, two are better than one. It's like real practical, right? Two, better than one. Sermon over. See you later. Two, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But, a, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Ecclesiastes 4.9, when it's snowing in Cleveland and it's one degree outside. Emphasis mine. That's not really in the scripture. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We often hear this verse read at wedding ceremonies. It's a perfect picture of the communion, a couple spouses experience with Christ being the third strand and wrapping those two together as one cord. But it can be also applied to the church community as well, that we're better. Jesus knows we're just simply better together. We're better together. Two better than one. And this can be super difficult. Any of you who have journeyed community at a church, maybe our church or another church, know that committing to community can be really annoying and difficult at times. Why? Because it involves people. And people are messy. And people are not straight lines. And people don't think the way that you think about life. People think differently. People have different perspectives on raising their kids. People have different perspectives on politics. People have different perspectives on everything. It's one of the joys, again, the joys of Christian community is that we think differently. We're not into groupthink here at Vineyard. And this is a beautiful heritage moment in the Vineyard where I think like the Vineyard was founded on these like rebel souls out in California, you know, who you know, who were like, I'm just done doing regular kind of church. We, we want a fresh expression of, of God's love. You know, we want a fresh expression of what church is. And that's how the vineyard kind of um, comes up. And for, for Sarah and I, consensus is everything. And hopefully that you've experienced that as, uh, from us as your pastors, that we're, we're, we're not really into like, um, okay, this is like what you have to believe. And this, now there are some things that are non-negotiable, yes? And we're talking, and we're talking about it. But there are other, many, many, many other issues that are so, so gray. And we like it that way. Because what that allows for is for you to become who you were created to be. 
Not for you to become me or for you to become some spiritual advisor that you, um, that you look up to or some mentor that you look up to or whatever. God's design is for you to grow, to become all that you are meant to be in the body of Christ. And so creating space is one of the things that we just love to say around the vineyard. Creating space for you to grow into who you're meant to be. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's also a difficult assignment. It's a difficult assignment. I talked to another friend this week and she said it best. She said it this way. Listen to what she says about the difficulty of doing church community. This is beautiful. She says this. The things that make it hard to be in community as a church come from our current culture. We have taken on the busyness, the self-centeredness, the misplaced loyalties of the culture around us. Many don't make time for church or small groups or church outreaches because they are too busy with other pursuits. For many, this isn't me. So your pastor's not like, hey, do more stuff. Okay, just let you know, this isn't me talking. (laughs) This is my friend. So I can get away with it, I guess. For many, being part of a church family is disposable. If one is offended, just leave the small group or the church. Or if, or if it takes too much time, I don't want to be a part of it. Community and relationship, relationships take time, period. We are in danger of living in shallow community and not realizing what we are missing. And that can be hindering to our mission, extending the kingdom of God. That's poor stewardship. It's difficult. It's difficult in to be committed to a church family, a church community. It's difficult because it's going to require us to lay down ourselves. It's going to cost us. I was just talking to a friend before service started about the many places that you think of that you would rather be on a Wednesday night than serving a bunch of crazy teenagers at Vineyard Cleveland. Oh, let me count the places I would rather be, right? I could be home with a nice cup of hot chocolate, watching my favorite Netflix, whatever it is, or I can serve at the church serving teenagers. Uh, Thank you very much. I'll choose the hot chocolate, right? It's going to cost us It's going to require us to lay down our lives. In 1 Peter 10, we read this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. There it is in Scripture. You should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's what it looks like to be a good steward of the community who says that Jesus is Lord of the church. We're called to use our gifts to serve others as faithful stewards. Peter was specifically talking about spiritual gifts in that context like prophecy and healing. Those are supernatural abilities that God gives each Christ follower. But the general idea of blessing others also carries over to time, talents, and skills, which you'll hear more about next week. Ben Barnhart's going to bring a message on Jesus being Lord of our talents, our skills, our gifts. And it's going to be amazing. You're not going to want to miss it. But God wants us 
to serve in this way as a way to bless others. It even harkens back to Genesis with Abraham. When God tells Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, you are blessed to be a blessing to others. If not, why are we even here this morning? For us? And it's true, we do experience the warm fuzzies sometimes, yes? And we, we do experience God coming close, and we know his presence, and, that's, and it feels wonderful to us. But I would suggest that this is a byproduct of us saying yes to whatever Jesus has for us, being inconvenienced at times to serve. We experience his presence because we're saying, yes, Lord, we'll show up wherever you want me to show up. And we're in a season right now as a church where God is clearly asking our community, lovingly, he's asking, will you sign back up again? It it couldn't be more clear to me. As your pastor, this is what he's saying. Will you sign back up again? Or will you sign up for the first time? Maybe you've never served. Maybe you've just come on Sundays and, and and we love that you're here. But hear me when I say you won't experience the depth and width and richness of the treasure of community until you start serving. You just won't. It'll just be a show that you go to on Sundays. And we're not very good at the show at Vineyard Cleveland. Like, we don't have all the bells and whistles. We don't have all the huge worship bands and lights and to entertain you. And I know you know that's not what it's about, but we're not even really good at the show. I know, like, 12 other churches who are, like, sweet at the show. Like, if you want that, you could probably find it at any number of churches in Cleveland. But the truth is is that you'll never experience the depth with richness, the treasure of community until you start giving yourself away. You know, there's a a podcast that Sarah and I, their friend suggested Sarah and I listen to that really blessed us and empowered us. And this podcast is called We Are Vineyard. And the national director of the Vineyard, Jay Pathak, sits down with different guests. And during this podcast, which I'd highly suggest you listen to, is encouraging for me as a pastor or a leader, but I believe that it would be really beneficial and empowering to you um, just being a part of Vineyard Cleveland. Jay takes the time and sits down with Christina Lowry. Um, You can see there she's an associate national director of church health and development in the Vineyard, and she and her husband, Joel, pastor Crossroads Church in Virginia. And she shares her story of planting the church there. And one key moment during the podcast is that she said, when, um, when, with each goodbye that you say to people, the church, um, God has people here at our church for a certain amount of time. Some of you are lifers. Others of you, you'll come in and three months later, you'll move on or life happens and the church becomes a very, very transient place and you're always saying goodbye, it seems like. Well, one of Christina's leaders challenged her 
to think about it differently and what God might be saying to her as a leader and a pastor. And he said to her, Christina, with each goodbye, God is teaching you to say hello to a new season. You need to be willing with each goodbye to say hello to a new season. Hello to doing the, the fundamental things of Jesus stuff with other people. The fundamental things of sharing your faith with others. Baptism on April 24th. Baptism of doing life together in a small group. And I know these last two years have been crazy challenging for all of us, myself included, being isolated for so long, coming to view church as just an, just an online experience, and, and not doing the face-to-face lab stuff of community. I want to challenge each and every one of you, like I've challenged myself in this new season, to say hello. Just say hello. Say hello to the new season, the people, the folks God might want to bring into your life to challenge you, to help you grow, for you to pour into, for you to invest into. With each goodbye, we're going to need to learn to say hello. And that's a difficulty when it comes to community is that we're called to be people with open hands. And when our hands are open like this, you notice there's a lot of room in between my fingers for for things to slip out of. Being open-handed comes at a cost. People are going to come in to your life and float out of your life. It's going to cost us. And so I thought it would be helpful. You'll notice the dreaded 10 cards are on each and every chair. A little context as we close. A little context for these cards are that when COVID-19 hit, and I remember, I remember this, clearly. As COVID-19 hit, you'll notice there's two other cards, connect and pray, and they're nice and stacked like that, the three stack, look at that, so you can see it, beautiful cards. Angela, thank you, using your your gifts. But as COVID-19 hit and we were all locked down and separated from one another, we, we realized that this card didn't make sense in a lockdown environment. How would people, because we were being told to stay away from one another, how would people serve on the worship team? How would people be greeters? And how would people show hospitality? How would people be on the muffin team? Cafe and usher and children's ministry and youth ministry and small groups, how would people do that when we're being called to be separate from one another? It was difficult to see those dreaded tan cards go away. Well, we are in a season now where I believe God is asking us lovingly to sign back up again. And if you haven't signed up before, please sign up. And I felt the Lord nudge me and say, Eben, be specific. Be specific. People need to know where they can engage. And so this is it, guys. Well, I want to go back to, I want to show you the Vineyard Cleveland snow shoveling team. There we are. It's me and Luca. We're on the team right now. If you guys want to help shovel snow for Jesus, dude, our team has openings. I mean, look at that terrible job we did on the sidewalk yesterday. 
It's just, it's like crooked and stuff. I know there's somebody out there who loves shoveling snow. And it's like your spiritual gift to like shovel snow. You're like, I love this. I'm doing it for the Lord. Worship. I love it. I love it. As you can tell, it's not my spiritual gift to shovel snow. I love it. I'll do it. But I know there's somebody out there who wants to be on the Vineyard Cleveland snow shoveling team with me. Any, any takers? Anybody want to be on that team? We have some, one, I get one. Yes, Thomas, you're on the team. Thomas is on the snow shoveling team. Come on. We're going to have donuts, hot chocolate. We're going to shovel them like you've never shoveled before. It's going to be awesome. So specific, what, what spaces, where do we need help at the church? This is where we need help. Children's ministry. We need someone to oversee the infant room who's willing to be back there with infants to care for them and love them. Volunteers and administrators in K-5 and preschool and youth ministry. You heard the call earlier from Joe. Volunteers. We need help with Seeds of Hope. Over the course of January, we served over 61 families. We provided over 1,400 meals to people. Now, the Saturday morning crew is stocked. They always have just such a solid crew show up. And I would say that my Tuesday night crew is stocked as well. We, we got after it this last Tuesday. What did we serve? Like 20, 24 people? There's like three of us there. But we could use help on Tuesday evenings. We serve two Tuesdays a month. It takes up two hours of your time. And it's just wonderful. The community that we developed and the talks that Emerson and I have over carrying groceries out to people who need food, it's a wonderful thing. We're blessed in it. We need help on Tuesday nights. Every other Tuesday, you can talk to me about that. We need office assistance. We need office assistance various hours through the work. You know, Sharon and um, Carol Jackson um, and Barb Miller uh, help to, to, to keep this place running in a lot of ways, but we need help. We need help like filing boxes and, and counting offering and all the little stuff that you might not think about. I can help give you areas within the office where we need help through the week of people who are just saying, hey, I used to be an office manager. I, I'll, I can give you an hour or two during the week. Sure. Life track process, as Joe mentioned, right now no one is overseeing life track process. This is the process where people come into community. If you've been a member or a partner of this church for any number of time, you've been through life track. You've been welcomed through life track. People need, folks who are coming in need to feel safe and need to feel like they're welcome here. I can't run this. Even if no one shows up for life track on a Sunday, we need somebody to oversee life track. Every Sunday, just to say, after the service for an hour, I'm going to do this every Sunday. Or gather a team to do that. We need folks who are going to step up and lead small groups. There is a heart for connection. I've talked to at least five people over the course of the last month who are new at our church and who are asking, where are small groups? Well, during course of COVID, our small groups diminished, didn't they? Because we were told to be apart from one another. We need small group leaders. At least five people are like, hey, where can I connect? Where can I connect? I want to do life with people on a semi-consistent level, whether it's you're doing a small group once a week, every week, or whether you're doing a small group for a three-month period in the spring. Sarah and I are going to lead a small group here in the spring, um, in March. Um, Others, we need others to step up as small group leaders. Say you don't want to lead it, but you can host. 
you say, I'm, I'm comfortable with opening up my home right now. We need folks who are going to say, hey, I'll host a small group. Just don't make me lead it. That's cool too. That's totally cool. Worship team, Sarah would love. If you can sing or you can play an instrument, um, you're like, hey, I'm like amazing at the tambourine. Like I'm just like sweet at the tambourine. And tambourine is your thing. Hey, that's a gift. Yeah, come on. Playing the tambo? One, two, three, four. Cowbell, yeah. If you play the cowbell, come on. We need worship team members, right, sir? We need folks who will run audiovisual stuff. You see John back there? John, raise your hand. John, super faithful John. Hey, who sees Dan Laszlo back here? Dan, raise your hand. Hey, super faithful Dan. These guys, co- go see those guys. Go see them after and say, hey, I want to sign up for sound. I want to sign up for audiovisual. We need, hey, Christina, raise your hand in the crow's nest. There she is. Hey, Christina, yay. We need folks. How easy is easy worship? Please tell us. It's so easy. It's so easy. And it's a way to help people feel safe. You know, the words on the screen are important. You're not just putting words on a screen, but you're providing a space where people know what to sing. Really great. Really great service. Talk to Sarah. Talk to uh, Christina about how you can serve in easy worship. Mike Lowe oversees greeters. You were greeted this morning as you walked through the doors with a smile and a, hey, how's it going? That is gold. All you need to do is be able to smile. If you can smile and you don't hate people, (laughs) please serve at the front. See Mike Lowe or see myself and say, hey, I want to be a greeter. Ushers as well. Folks who receive the offering. Folks who, when we do it, pass out communion in that way. Cafe workers. Hey, Barb Miller. Hey, faithful Barb Miller. Every week. Every week, whether you like your coffee dark or light, every week, every week, no one will say about Barb Miller that she has not been faithful at Vineyard Cleveland. Every week. But you know what? She could sure use some help. She could teach you a few things. She could sure use some help. And it wouldn't, help, it wouldn't hurt if Barb was off once, one Sunday a month. Now, would it? Just to experience... <laughs> she says no. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt. So, cafe, to sling coffee, you know, that'd be wonderful. That's a way to bless people. That's a way... You're not just serving coffee, but you're blessing people in that. There are so many different ways to be involved in... So what I'd like for you to do is if you know, if you sense the Holy Spirit calling you to sign back up again, I'd like for you to fill out, fill out this card. For those of you who are on the fence, for those of you who are on the fence, I'd like you to take this card home with you and pray. And then next Sunday you'll hear Ben talk about using your gifts, talents, and skills as Jesus is Lord. And bring it back with you next Sunday. We're going to talk about care of creation. Uh, after that, care of the environment and, and what stewardship of, of creation looks like. And we'll finish up the series and head into Lent. And our goal is to talk about hope and waiting as we journey towards the cross and towards the resurrection and how wonderful it would be 
to see folks coming into relationship with Jesus and coming alive in their giftings at Vineyard Cleveland, that, that those little fires would start popping up all over. Say, hey, I love chili cook-off. Like, let's do something else. Like, I want to lead that. I love serving at Soup Kitchen, which is going to be in March or April. I love, I love uh, drawing closer. You'll hear more about this experience that Katie Doyle and others are forming to meet with God face to face. You say, I want to do that stuff too. Everybody gets to play. I want to encourage you to look over that list and say, hey, where can I play? Where can I play? We're not looking for the best. We're looking for a yes. And that's what Jesus looks for. He doesn't look for the best. He looks for the available. A heart that says, yes, I'll take any day of the week over the most competent person in the room. Any day of the week. Because that's who I believe Jesus is calling. He's, not calling. he's not calling the experts. He's calling the available. Go into the fields, the cornfields in Nebraska and find them if you have to. Bring them in is what Jesus says. Let's stand together.